0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you
1: by Carbonite Online Backup. Whether you have one computer at home or several at your small business, Carbonite backups your files automatically and continually. Carbonite is the better... Backup plan. Try it free at Carbonite.com and use the offer code TWIP and get two bonus months with purchase. That's Carbonite.com and use the offer code TWIP. (laughs) This week on TWIP, the CP Plus trade show in Japan, smartphone stock photos techniques for choosing your best images, and an interview with David H. Wells. It's Wednesday, January 30th, 2013, and this is Twitter. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, the big stories that we're going to be talking about are... Um, A lens fest at uh, this weekend's CP Plus trade show in Japan, mobile phone cameras gain clout, finally, and stir up some controversy, how to choose your very best images, and an interview with David H. Wells talking about vision and how to exercise and build yours. Joining me today to talk about these topics, finally on the show, Mr. Alex Lindsay and Valerie Jardin. Hey, guys.
2: Hi, Frederick. How's All right. It
1: going? It's going great. Valerie, you know, I always start with the person that hasn't been on the show in the longest amount of time to find <laughs> out what the heck they've been up to. Alex Lindsay, also known as the Darwin of TWIP, creator of <laughs> now is now on the show and joining hey. us today. Alex, what the heck is going on?
0: Oh craziness craziness so we've been we've just been really as you may have guessed very busy
1: yes and this is uh, good though you thrive in
0: busy you, i you I, I do i do i i uh, but yeah so we've been we've been doing just tons and tons of live production that's mostly what we've been uh doing a lot of work on and so uh the pick score has you know grown a lot and uh and we've had a you know a crazy year and so now it's starting to Almost look like it might calm down a little bit. Not so much that we're doing less. It's just you that said that two people. years ago, Alex. You said that well, two years ago. <laughs> it, we have more people now, so I think good, I think uh, since uh, in the last year we uh, uh, tripled in size. So oh, wow. um, yeah, and as far as number of people at the, at the company, so it's um, so anyway, it's been uh, it's been hectic. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so we've been, we've been doing that. And so otherwise you don't, I don't know
1: if it, I don't know if I believe that because you look great. You don't look like you've been, you know, managing three times as many
0: people and, and burning the candle. It it turns out that they're all really good at what they do. (laughs) So so the more people have not, it's definitely not, it's not been adding to the blood pressure. It's been lowering the blood pressure. So, so no, it's, it's been good. And I have time to do things like this every once in a while now when I'm not traveling. So, um, so it's great to be here. here. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having... Thanks for coming back, finally. And this is not going to be the last time. No. <laughs> it's like, you're like the long-lost uncle that was traveling around like, Ethiopia or whoa, whoa. something, and you finally came
0: back. You know, yeah. it's
1: Uncle Alex. He's back, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, that, I'm like that old, the old uncle in Braveheart with the one eye. And yeah. yeah <laughs> outlaw exactly. the pipes for an outlet. Yeah, yes, or Gollum. <laughs> all, right. all right. And also on the show,
1: Miss Valerie Jardin, who's also back from traveling, again, probably to some black-and-white city. Right, Valerie? <laughs>
2: Well, actually, it was mostly family, um, visiting family for just one week in France. I just got back um, two days ago, oh. and I was gone for exactly seven days, which was kind of crazy. It got into Paris on a, in a snowstorm, which is very unusual there, oh. and I left. It was already in the. You know, close to 60 degrees a week later, so it was really nice. Um, and I also worked a little bit um, at tweaking some last-minute details for my upcoming new photo workshop, which is which will be in Normandy, which is on the coast, north coast of France, which is where I'm from. So I did a little bit of work, but mostly visiting family, and uh, been pretty busy because workshop season starts in one month for me with San Diego in March, and then um, and then pretty much nonstop through October. Wow. With Paris and Normandy and Minneapolis and then Paris and Normandy again and Wait, and how does Minneapolis
1: fit in there? Like, because I'm
2: here. It's because you,
1: so you live in Minneapolis, so you're doing workshops here? Because it's like one of these things is not like the other. With Paris <laughs> Normandy and then Minneapolis. Minneapolis.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I squeezed in San Diego in the winter too because I live in Minneapolis, Uh, (laughs) I need to go somewhere warm. But um, yes, there are a lot of people around here who say, well, it's easier for us to maybe go to Minneapolis rather than go spend a week in Paris. So it's just a two-day workshop. And then I'm preparing um, a five-day workshop in Australia for February next year. So that's that I'm working with a local photographer and guide uh, who will be working with me there. So um, we're trying to get it on the market sometime next month. Wow, so that's you, crazy. A year in advance.
1: When you, when, you, when you talk about those three cities, um, Paris, Normandy, and Minnesota, I think like certain <laughs> images pop in my mind. Like Paris, I think the Champs-Élysées, uh, Normandy, I think of beaches and Flight mm-hmm. of the Valkyrie, and then... When you you say Minnesota, I think Prince.
2: Oh, well, that's good. That's better than Grumpy Old Men or uh, Fargo.
1: (laughs) Now, thank you you for replacing. Thank you for replacing that memory in my head. Thank you. All right, guys. (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks to you both for taking the time this evening to, uh, to join us on the show. Let's jump into the news. There's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, and I know, Alex, uh, as we get into the picks of the week, you probably have a piece of new gear that you want to share. Am I right? Yes. Yes. And are you going to be able to show and tell it, or did you just no, order it's, it? No, it's, I just ordered it. All right, we'll find out what it is in a couple minutes. But before we do that, before we do that, that's the see that's my little my lost teaser kind of foreshadowing thing going on. All right, uh let's jump into news. Uh this weekend was the C P plus trade show in Japan. This is a big photo Im- imaging show that takes place I believe it's yearly. It runs. It's running through Sunday, and basically, you know, it's one of those gigantic trade shows. All the big players are there, uh, and lots of releases out of that show. Alex, are you familiar with CP
0: Plus? I'm actually not. So this is oh. this is actually new to me. I, I'm I'm not familiar with CP Plus. I imagine in a lot of ways that there's more. Uh, there are probably more of the big players because a lot of them are based there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Easy. absolutely. They don't have to travel. It's cheaper to go to that. So yeah. you know, rather than just sort of run down the things, because we'll put the we'll put links to the the, the announcements that happen there. I wanted to talk about photo trade shows in general, especially with you on the show, Alex, because you you go to a lot of these things and you travel a lot and you're always on the road, so you know the ins and outs. So when when people are picking, like photographers are saying, you know what, I got some extra money in the budget. As if you know to go to one of these to go to one of these workshops or one of these trade shows, what kind of criterion should they keep in mind? Like when you're going to go, if it's not for work, how do you how do you determine what you should go to and what is like me?
0: Well, I mean, I have to admit that all trade shows to me are work. So, I mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I go to cover them typically. So, you know, I'm I'm showing up and, and I'm planning to shoot some video or or, or do whatever. I I think that. Um, uh when you're looking at it i i think it's a hard sell for the average photographer to go a long distance just to look at stuff i think that the, the trade shows are the most useful for press and big buyers you know if you're going to really travel a long distance now if you're in europe and photokina is going on that's a pretty easy train ride if you're in apac and and cp plus is there that's not as hard to get to um, if you're going to go you know those are things that that are easier to kind of compile into that as an end user, I, I think that in a lot of ways I'd rather just see people cover it. The only thing you really get out of it, and I find that the useful thing for me, is actually not the big booths, it's the little booths. It's the little it's the little guy who, and a lot of the stuff I cover, when I cover CES or or any photo, I'm not really shooting a lot of videos from Canon's booth or from Nikon's booth. What I'm really looking for are the little vendors who are doing something a little bit different. Um, and and looking outside because that's really what you want to touch and see and that's something you're not going to see when you're on you know when you're you know that's stuff that's hard to find uh, and a lot of people doing some very unique things um, and uh, and figuring out some unique issues and those are the things that I, I'm usually looking for when I'm going to uh, any kind of, any conference is the is the small booths uh, the twenty foot and below
1: yeah those are those are the innovators. It reminds me of a long long time ago i 'm going to date myself here because so I went to uh an, I think it was internet world. It was being held in San Jose, California, right. and it was one of the first internet worlds because the internet was you know still novel and right. you know how they have the booths inside the, the conference you know the, the on the the showroom floor and then right. the, the cheaper booths outside by the restrooms. One of those <laughs> booths was a company called Future Splash animator you remember those remember those guys Alec? yeah. Yeah, so they they created a little piece of software called Flash, which then <laughs> which then <laughs> went on to be you know the biggest thing at the show and take over the show. Then and take then and Adobe bought it and the rest is history. And now, right.
0: Well, and and those are like I, I was at at CES and you walk by this little booth. It wasn't tiny, but it was like twenty by twenty booth mm-hmm. uh, in the South Hall, and it was uh, it, it was um, uh, Geonot. So Geonaut is this. Uh, it's a company who. Makes um, they make cameras. It's a it's three cameras that are all stitched, so it can stitch video together, um, and save it to the to its internal um, memory. Mm-hmm. So you get a 360 degree view of a video. So you can you can walk through a location, grab all this video, and then on your iPad, when you look at it on the web, you can pick it up like this, and when you turn your iPad, you oh, see it crazy. turns, and it's video. Anyway, so those are the kind of things like, you know, I didn't see a lot of press around that. There's not a lot of people talking about it, but I think that people are going to be talking about it in the not-too-distant future. And so, and so those are the kind of things that I'm always looking for um, you know, to try to find.
1: Now, Valerie, when you're, you're out, so you're, I put you on the, the consumer side. So you're the far, mm-hmm. if Alex is the far right, you're the far left. You know, you're okay. like, you know, Alex is the uber geek that is looking for the <laughs> latest and the greatest thing. And you're like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to clutter my world with that stuff. I'm just concerned. If right. it's not broken,
2: don't fix it. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> so with, nice. that, with that said, how do you approach trade shows? Do you care about them at all? Or do you just like, that's noise and I'll read about it online later. That's what the blogs do. They'll, they'll sift out all the, the, you know, the wheat from the chaff and I'll just pick it up there.
2: Exactly. And I listen to TWIP and listen to <laughs> you guys talk it. about it. Uh now I there's just so much new stuff I can barely keep up with what I have. And um and I'm not interested in half the stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm I'm really interested in the micro 4 Thirds, for example, so I'm going kind to of keep an eye on that, but um like Nikon, I'm I'm a Canon shooter, so I really don't care what they what they do, <laughs> so, you know, I'm just so not into gear. Yeah. Um,
1: it's and so I love that about you, Valerie, because you're, you're like, you're the antithesis of a lot of the people that listen to Twip, and a lot of people that come on Twip, because it's always like, I got this, I got that, no offense, Alex, but we, I got this, I got, <laughs> I, I got all this cool new stuff, and Valerie, you come on, you're like you're like the, the breath of fresh air, because you're like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I, if it was manual, I would shoot that as long as it's it's about the art. You know, show me the light. That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. I mean, the. I just started using my iPhone's camera, and I'm excited about it. I just, uh, yeah, I don't jump on new stuff right away. Oh, there's Dan. <laughs> oh,
1: good. Good. Hey, Dan. Um, okay, continue your thought, Valerie, real quick.
2: So, I, sorry. Um, so now I don't really follow what's going on. I'll read things online Um articles about one thing or another, but I don't really follow exactly all the new technology good, unless good. I'm really involved and interested in something that I'm going to use. But
1: You're you're the perfect sort of uh, test subject for new technologies. Yes. So we try it on you, and if you're like, yeah, I don't get it, then they'll go back to the drawing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: All right. So just joining the show is Mr. Dan Ablin. Hey, Dan, can you hear me? Uh can't hear him. So he's he's almost here. Is so he, muted? We'll go, he might be muted or hasn't plugged in or something. <laughs> he will figure it out. All right. While he's figuring that out, Dan, for the folks that are listening to the show only Dan Ablin has joined our hangout. He was scheduled to join. But uh, something happened that he couldn't get on. But now he's here. And say something, Dan, Are you here. No, he's still not here. Still no audio. Alright, let's move on as we step through this stuff. So, my thoughts on trade shows, honestly, is I used to go to a lot of trade shows, and I'm going to a trade show this weekend, this Friday, Alex. Yes. Uh, Macworld. I mean, Mac are you right? going Friday? I'm going Friday, yes. Yep. So, uh, I'm going to go hang out at Macworld as a consumer. I'm just going around, going to get a bag and get some goodies and maybe buy a iPhone case or something, and that's all I'm doing. Um, but, other than that one, because it's in my backyard, that's why I'm going to that one, I don't, I don't go to a whole lot of shows anymore. <laughs> I just I just don't.
0: I don't know. Well, and, and I think that one of the things that uh, a lot of um, organizations need to realize is, is how they have to be looking at how they engage people who don't want to go but do want to see what happened, you know, in, in a more uh, powerful way. I think that... Uh, one of the things that has happened I, I notice is um you know there are a lot of pre show events or small events um that are available at a lot of these shows whether you know I, i'm sure you you remember the show stoppers and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and the digital experience and so on and so forth as someone in the press i can get to that early i can cover all those events this is what the consumers don't get to see um but those things actually in some ways are more important than the actual co- you know uh, conference you know for many of the the folks that are there because a lot of the press which is really what's important I mean for a lot of these guys I mean one press person represents hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people yeah. right? and so and so making sure that they can i think that one, one thing that we may look at is conferences that are a lot smaller smaller booths you know less less to show um, but more focused on the people who are actually covering it for the event and i think that a lot of these may turn out to be more and more press events and less and less consumer events Right, right,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, just, especially, uh, you know, I, I wonder how the economy has hit these, these events, because a lot of them, it would seem obvious that, okay, it costs a lot to travel, hotel, time away from work, all this stuff, so why would you go to these, and now, but all the things I'm hearing, like from WPPI and PMA, that
0: record levels of attendance, and I don't know if that's... Well, PMA is now, PMA is now kind of next to CES, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't know, is it is the lack of a dip in attendance because the uprise in the well, popularity think, of the I, hobby of photography?
0: Well I think PMA was very smart in what they did. They, they were that was combined. So the, the same badge that got you into CES got you into or at least I guess my badge anyway, got me into both CES and PMA. Yeah. And so I was able to just kind of wander into PMA. It didn't seem like it was a lot busier, but it, it might have been than 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 the other PMA. Um, but I think that you're next to an event that's got 150,000 people. You know, everyone's already sure. there. You're another area to go to. I think that I think that was great for PMA.
2: Yeah, um, you know,
0: to go to go down that path. So I think that that, that was a, a a good move. Um, it did feel a lot smaller. So it it definitely feels like it's going that direction where there's not not as many uh, large booths, mm-hmm. um, but there are. Um, but still, lots of cool things. I I saw lots. of – I found lots of cool things. Um, yeah. You know, to check out. So.
1: Hey Dan, Dan, can you uh, can you hear me? I can you hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Hey. Dan Applin hey. is on the show finally. Sorry Look at about that. that. Yeah, apparently, four browsers. Apparently on the they main... don't they don't use they don't use computers in Chicago. Is that? Oh my god! Is that... well, you know what? <laughs> that, that that it's too cold. Uh, well, it was sixty yesterday. So
3: no, four browsers on the other system. Just it wouldn't connect to the to the
1: Googles. Wow. So, well, some of my laptops... The Googles realized that Alex was on the show and said, okay, we're going to let Dan. So (laughs) we let you, yeah. Yeah, So welcome, welcome. So what we were doing is uh, we were just talking about trade shows, and specifically there's a CP Plus trade show that's happening, I believe, right now in Japan, but we weren't going to run down what's happening at that show. Rather, we were talking about just the idea of trade shows and do they still make sense. Now, do you you go to trade shows? You know, I don't do too much anymore. I've been going since probably
3: 1988. I've been going to... n a b every single year mm-hmm. uh, I used to go, and it was a big deal, you know, but now you can get stuff online uh every stuff everything's leaked beforehand, mm-hmm. nothing's a surprise and a release anymore uh at the show. Uh, so I'm kind of at the phase where I'm looking for somebody else to pay for me to go. So, I can...
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um, what, what about like, what about the like the camaraderie and the you know the sort of no. meeting your old friends? Like, hey, how's the yeah. studio going? You know, yeah. The and last party.
3: one I went to was uh, um maybe yeah. two years ago. We we actually have a group picture online of all of us that started back in the very early days, and uh, and that was fun. But you know, is that worth a couple of grand? You know, between the flight and the hotel and the expenses, you know, and that's kind of what it comes down to these days. Um, I did go to WPPI for the first time a couple of years ago, and it was it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's an expense, and you know, it's it's if you don't have a reason to go, I think you know, it's it's something that's you second guess it. But
1: you think about it, you're like, you know, especially yeah. for you, you're leaving your studio right. to go out, and it means lack of revenue, so it's got to really pay for itself, right? Yeah.
2: I'd, yeah. I'd rather go, like, to Photoshop World or something. That'd Absolutely, yeah. To go to all those classes, and it would be awesome. Right. I'd
3: rather have a field trip with, with Alex at, at the uh, Twit
1: offices. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you definitely should come out. Yeah, we <laughs> would we, uh, be more fun, to be honest. We
1: have a lot of toys. You got exactly. Alex could probably pull a string or two to make that happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. I have, Alex,
0: you know somebody? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, and and one of the things we're going to be using a lot, we're going to drag a bunch of you into, is 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 using these Hangouts for uh, our school in Rwanda. So we're gonna, because you know, it's. Tell me about it's, that. Up, Tell me about yeah. this. Yeah, we talked People, about that. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, but
1: you you haven't talked about that for at least I don't know. I, I don't I think, know, two or three, twenty or thirty thousand listeners ago. So I mean,
0: <laughs> tell me about it. Uh, so we, um, you know, we've been working on. You know, so I've been going in and out of Africa for twelve years, and uh, and then about uh, three years ago, we started talking to the Rwandan government about what they needed to do as far as um, teaching a lot of people to produce media, so that they can, you know, help educate millions. You know, over half the population in Rwanda is under fifteen. So there's a big um, push to figure wow. out how to. Educate that many people with the few educators that they have, mm-hmm. um, um, and so you know figuring out how to do that, it, you know, it, it, media becomes very integral to that. So we got into a lot of conversations back and forth, and uh, we now have a school in Rwanda in Kigali, and it is um, we've got about thirty-five students in it, and so it's a, the beginning of the process, and we've got. Uh, about twenty twenty IMAX with iPads. Um, a lot of the stuff is going to be driven by video. Um, we have some. We have some great instructors down there right now, uh, one from Canada and one from Kenya. And uh, but one of the things that we're going to be focusing on very heavily is uh, you know telepresence. So you know Hangouts um, mixed with uh, a variety of other tools to tie the students back into the classes and training that we're doing in Petaluma, California. So we're you know we uh, part of building the school uh, is putting in a. You know, a five to ten megabit up and down pipe <laughs> into the uh, into in, into the school, which took a lot of doing in Africa um, to get done. Not as hard in Rwanda because they have fiber through the entire country. It's the it's why they're growing so fast. And so they, wow, uh, it's the it, you know a lot of people don't you know think of Rwanda from the nineties, but uh, the Rwanda of today is um, the ninth fastest growing country in the world um, with fiber running through the entire country. And, you know, it's just an incredible, um, you know, it's, it's exciting when you're there. I, I get to go down, uh, fairly, I'm starting to get down, get to get to go down a lot more often. And it's, um, and we've got guys there and it's just, it, you know, it just, it's just, it's like one of those cities where there's cranes everywhere and they're building. And, yeah. and so it's a, it's an exciting place to be. So, you know, we're, we're very excited about it. And, uh, the students are learning everything from photography to video to 3d to, you know, lots of other things. And so it's, um, it's pretty exciting.
1: Now, if, if people want to learn more about that and see, do you have like a, a site or something that's set up to track your progress there?
0: We're going too soon. Uh, you know, I have been, one of the things I have to say is that I've been really uh, careful uh, to not promote what we do in Africa too heavily, other than mentioning it on shows and talking about it. Uh, a lot of people. Um, uh, talk a lot about what they 're doing in Africa I mean mm-hmm. we, we see this a lot, and they 're not actually doing anything you know you know mm-hmm. so they're they 're talking about it they 're raising money you know they're, you know they 're not you know it 's a nonprofit and there 's a lot of chatter about what what they 're going to do, and so we 've been really careful of not wanting to do too much online and talk about it i mean there 's definitely places if you do a search for uh, for what we 're doing there the it 's the African digital media academy or africa digital media academy a d m a we, you'll, see, you'll definitely find some stuff. Uh, we are going to, uh, later in the spring, uh, put up a, a blog and, and, and start showing a lot of the pieces, but we really wanted to make sure that it was, it was really fully formed and really creating the service that we had promised before we started you know, trying to leverage a lot of it Got and it. talk about it.
1: Very cool, very cool. It's amazing. I, just, I, I need to find out how you've managed to bend space and time. To uh, get all the stuff done. So <laughs> apparently, there's some sort of a wormhole or something in Petaluma.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's being surrounded by an incredibly uh, able staff, you know. So the producers, the the tech people, the the people. I, I mean, at every level, we just have a great crew, and that's that's the only reason I get to do what I do.
1: Very good. Great. All right, guys, let's let's jump on to the next story, and it's about mobile phone cameras gaining clout and stirring up controversy. There's a stock agency called Al- Alamy. I've never heard of this company. I feel bad. I, Dan, have you heard oh, of this company? Oh, they're big. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad because I, I haven't. I'm clearly ignorant. But anyway, this company is starting to accept mobile photography into its stock offer. So, uh, yeah. Dan, I'm going to start off with you. So, Yeah, I already know the answer to this in my head, and what I think, and I'll share it at the end after I get you guys' opinion. But mobile phones are they viable cameras, and are they do they create good enough images to consider putting into these stock libraries? Frederick, how many times have I tell you it's the photographer, not the gear? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah, no, you know I used to say that, but and I still believe that's true, but. You know, in really good hands, the gear is important. In in capable hands, good gear can do some crazy stuff. You can get usable stuff with really crappy gear, of course. You could do some really awesome art with crappy gear, of course. But if you give a photographer with superpowers, like you know, the Starship Enterprise, he's going to go to different galaxies rather than just orbit the planet.
3: You know, a little shout out to uh, to Valerie there. With I've seen a lot of your your stuff. with mobile phones that you've been posting lately oh it
2: just yeah it just yeah. started and it's I it's really
3: it. really nice and so is it a viable so yeah it depends i think it is it just really depends on what you're going to use it for of course mm-hmm. print and ads and stuff no um as a you know some images i'm doing now for an after effects project yeah that'd be great if it's the right shot when i have all this stuff kind of flying by mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. out just perfectly um so i i think it absolutely is you know ads and professional stuff no not yet but now it's getting there.
1: So are we going to see a day when, when a, like, a senior portrait client shows up in your studio and all you have is your iPhone right there? Um, that might have happened recently, yeah, my, <laughs> the way my D3
3: is working. <laughs> but it could. You know, I mean, traditional glass, the way the glass is, and, you know, can you replace my 85 1.4 lens? Yeah. But who knows what kind of technology is going to come out in the future and what digitally
1: they can do with that image from a small lens, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Valerie, Valerie, what do you, weigh in on this. What do you think?
2: Um, well, stock agencies have really, really high quality standards. I mean, it's actually a good place to start for any photographers to submit their images on iStock or whatever, because mm-hmm. their standards are really high. And I think here it's editorial only, not stock images as in this is going to be used on a billboard. I think yeah. they're talking editorial stock. And uh, so that makes more sense. The quality doesn't have to be as high. Um, because I think from the article that it's news, sports, and entertainment images that they're they're accepting um, with um, a smartphone camera. And, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd rather someone with talent will, and someone creative and with talent will do better work with an iPhone than, you know, someone with a 5D Mark 3 who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Any yeah. day. So, I really don't think the camera, yes, of course The you won't replace the uh, the glass of a DSLR and I I can't see using a smartphone to shoot a commercial shoot anytime soon, but um but I do think the I, – I just started doing using my iPhone camera last week when I was in France walking on the beach, and I didn't feel like carrying my uh, 5D Mark II with mm-hmm. heavy lenses, and I loved it. If the light is good, yeah. the quality where, where is good. Where really were you good. posting
1: to? You? Were you posting on Instagram?
2: Um uh, no. <laughs> I'm not on Instagram, remember?
1: <laughs> I know. Uh, that was a trick question. No, I
2: just, actually, I just found an app that I'm gonna, uh, that's gonna be my pick of the week, uh, for black and white. Oh. And I started playing with that. I put a couple pictures on, on Google Plus and on Facebook just a couple days ago. And I was shooting at the airport in Paris and having so much fun. And it's really inconspicuous, too, when you do street photography. Um, that's why I'm really thinking going... Smaller camera for street photography because you know nobody really noticed you yeah, yeah. when you so have a DSLR. We've
1: been raving about those micro four thirds cameras for. That's the, right.
2: I'm getting you know, one this year.
1: Yeah, so am I, Alex. Do you have a? Do you shoot with a micro four thirds or a, a less than a DSLR but more than a not really. I, mean, I,
0: I, I primarily shoot with either the fi- right now currently the 5D Mark II or the or a. Um, uh, or my or my iPhone, and mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, most of the time I have to say the vast majority of photos I probably take are with my iPhone. Um, I, I I do find myself you know a lot of what I do I'm running around and it's hard and it is luscious when when I pull out a full SLR you, know, you start taking photos and you realize why you're taking them with that camera instead of an iPhone. Yeah. Um, you know, so that you it's definitely just a massive difference. I I went I was in Tahoe uh, last weekend with my with my kids uh, you know on the slopes and. And and I went through the trouble of taking my SLR out because I was like, you know, I don't know how often I'm going to get up here. I'm really busy, and I want great, you know, great photos, you know, of, mm-hmm. of the kids. And so so I think that that's there. I think that one of the things that I really like about the iPhone is I like the fact that I can share really quickly. You know, so I can take something, I can throw it on Google Plus, I can, you know, send it to people, I can get that stuff out, I can and and, it, and I have it with me all the time. So a lot of stuff I'm documenting. Um, you know what and what and I have to admit what used to be so I started using my iPhone years ago to just take notes because, as you know, a lot of times we cover CES or Macworld or, mm-hmm. or NAB. And a lot of times what I would do is I'd go around one day just to not forget anything. I would just use my iPhone um, and uh, and shoot little videos of all of the things that I want to cover. And then I'd go back and take notes and figure out what I'm going to do the night that night. And then the next day we'd take a film crew out and we'd shoot everything. And then two years ago, we we just didn't have time for the film crew. I mean, it was like, it was like one of the things I shot at all. I ran out of time. And so I just posted the raw notes you know to and people loved it and so you know this is with my iphone yeah. and so and so that's how that began and now if you go up to you know if you go to my little channel it's alex lindsay pxc at at youtube you'll see a whole bunch you know 2013 ces is just my iphone and oh, and really? oh, you know cool. so all i shot all i covered with ces was uh, me and my iphone uh, with a I can't think of the name of it right now, but Ali, you know the company that makes the little uh, metal thing that has a wide-angle lens on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they have a new one, and I, I think it's called the Aim or, or whatever that that um, that I pop my phone into. It makes the the slightly wider-angle lens makes it a little more uh, it makes it a little more natural. I can hold something out in front of it and still be able to talk. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I use a. Thing called the boom, which is this mic that rejects all the sound, you know, around me. Yeah. And so between those two things, it's not like it's it's the audio isn't perfect, the video isn't perfect, but it's pretty, it's very usable. You know, and I think that's the issue. And I think that when we look at, especially when we're talking about news gathering, covering events, co- you know, th- those types of things, I think you know having lots and lot. I think what what a lot of these stock agencies are looking at is we just want lots of people to be covering. That event, you know, and and, and making sure that, that that things are actually going in, and I think there's a there's a big advantage to immediacy that that we get, and and you know there's a book out um, by Mike Sweeney called Create Create Amazing iPhone Photographs, mm-hmm. and I have to say that every every time I think that oh I don't know if this is really going to work, uh, you know he's got an iBook and a, I guess a PDF as well on Lulu, and um, <laughs> and it is. Uh, when I look at the photos he has in the book, I'm like, "Holy smokes!" You know, you know, you know, you really can. Now, some of those are attaching big lenses to everything.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, you look like a yeah, like a big Frankenstein uh, yeah. gear around your iPhone. But still, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, it's all just capturing light, right? Putting light on the yeah.
0: sensor and bringing it in. Yeah. Well, and and I, and I'm fascinated by seeing the, this progression of Android uh, Android cameras. I, I think that that's an interesting um, progression that I think we're going to see a lot more of uh, over time. I, I I think we're going to see a lot more Android growth. I think Apple's really missing the boat, <laughs> or somebody's missing the boat by, and we've talked about that for years on this yeah. show, yeah. of you know how what I really want is an iPhone controller for a, slides into a camera and we just call it a day you know mm-hmm. and i think that that is um you know that that you know putting that big sensor with uh, an opened api that lets people write to like write however i want to run my phone you know someone let let programmers imagine how to use that phone yeah. you know rather than trying to figure it out i think there's a huge market there i think that the the, the current versions that have come out are um a good start, <laughs> but <laughs> that should uh, be kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I think that 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 is probably the most interesting thing to me is the mixture of the SLR, the the removable, you know, and the and the phone. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping we see a lot more of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I'm I'm with you. I would love to see some sort of merging of worlds with that. It just seems like the the Phone platform is ripe to be actually a platform, or not the phone, but the camera platform is ripe to actually be a platform, you know, where you can develop apps apps for and deliver things to it. Yes. And, and I mean,
3: you know, Frederick, I was going to say too, because yeah. when I when
1: I go just like on a family trip, I've got a little Nike,
3: uh, I got a Nikon S ninety three hundred and a uh, little Leica Deluxe three, and you know what's cool about it, like the Nikon, aside from just being a little pocket camera you could take to you know Disney World or whatever, it's they've got cool little features like slow mo on the movies. You know, mm-hmm. so your kid's jumping in the pool and you're doing those fun slow-mo things. And it's those that aren't available on the big cameras that, okay, you're carrying this big thing, you can create an amazing image, but at the same time, the other one's portable, a little more fun. So if there could be a nice blend mm-hmm. between both of those, you know, that'd be something I'd be into for sure.
1: Maybe you should start that company. I think you and Alex, should get together.
2: <laughs> All it takes is money. Yeah. And I'll just try the stuff. Like,
0: yeah, someone, oh, someone, so the know. last person who decided he was going to do that is, is, uh, created a little company called Red. You know, oh, that was, that was kind it. of a, yeah. I've had enough of this. I can make a better camera. And it, it's true. He actually could, uh, make a better camera. We'll so.
3: do that with our new, with our new what, Blackberry. So what's 10. Up?
1: What's up with the reds anyway alex? i mean you're you're in the know there. You probably at least have three or four of those. are two. they
0: <laughs> I'm sorry two one or two of those yeah. <laughs> we have we have we We didn't go big we uh, we we try to rent. When we get over a certain price range, because uh, yeah. we don't use them often enough, but uh, we really felt like we needed a couple in in house. We have two scarlets, and um, and we've gotten a variety of different pieces. And one of them actually is the 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 you know the 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 kind of the SLR handle, and and yeah. they have yeah. you know they take Canon mounts because we got a lot of Canon lenses, and so uh, and uh, and they're. Pretty impressive. You know, I mean, they're, they're a very impressive camera. It is an interesting mix of the two, you know, of the two worlds, um, of being able to take still still uh, images and uh, do video. Obviously, we're still using them mostly for video. Right. Uh, and so I think that you, you definitely want something that you want, if, if you're someone who's getting a RED, um you're going to be looking for it. but the thing you have to be careful with the red is that accessorizing it is usually you know turned out for us to be more expensive than the actual body you know oh, so which is the always the case razor, it's like lenses
1: the razor and the blades model
0: right yeah but i mean it's like you know it's like oh, right, i gotta get a memory slot and i gotta get this and i gotta get that and before we knew it we had spent a lot of money and so so anyway so it was uh but they're great they really are great cameras and um you know i, I I think that that you know they are very programmable. I, they're not as uh, user friendly, I think, oftentimes as some of the other cameras in the same you know where a lot of the stuff is on the outside. And you can kind of but because a lot of those switches and everything else aren't on the outside, they can be changed. You know, a firmware upgrade changes everything. That gets into like the difference between an iPhone and an, and the old phones that we used to use. You know, the, the smartphones without any buttons. There's a lot of you know updates and changes that can happen without changing the form factor. So um, anyway, so they're they're fun. We. We've we've ended up getting a lot of cameras, and so you know we we've definitely gotten disconnected from thinking any one camera is the solution. So we you know we yeah, we, yeah it's know. the the right camera for the job, right? Absolutely, and and oftentimes my iPhone is the right camera for the job. So that's you it. know and
1: you know what I'm, mine is more and more. I'm trying to think of the housing that I have for my iPhone. I gotta I had to get it. I I made it my pick of the week one week, and I can't remember what it is. It's in my bag. But I use mine to
3: s- remember parking spaces
1: but yeah right Right. but you slide it's a housing that you can slide your iphone into and i'll put a link to it in the show notes but it 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 um uh has mic inputs on it so that you can plug in mics into it it's got built-in articulated mics on the top of it so you can point one at the subject Uh, and one at you or both at the subject
0: for stereo how is that how has the audio worked for that has that worked well for you it works pretty damn good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. The, maybe it was the earlier versions. There, I had an earlier version of that, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I had, we, we had a lot of problems with it. Uh, the mic's kind of freaking out. So. Yeah,
1: no, it worked pretty. Uh, it works pretty good so far. I mean, you probably just jinxed it, but you know. It... <laughs> <laughs> I this appreciate is, that.
0: One of the ones that I like is this. This is made by Rockform, and yeah. uh, and this one, um, you put your you put your iPhone into it. Yeah. And it's got this quick release. On the end here, and I don't know if I have the other end. The other end of that is in my car, but you can. You, there's a little quick release that you can then pop onto a tripod, or I have it on on the end of a. You know, K uh, Tech makes this stick that you can extend out like a, like a boom hole. Yeah. So if you want to do self, like the ultimate selfie, you know, you can get it out there with you and your friends and (laughs) and, and have it like way out there. And it's (laughs) really really funny because
1: your arm like this.
0: (laughs) Well, the funny thing is you don't have to, What, what you can do is because you've got this pole that, that you can hold out. You don't actually see it. You can hold it down. You can hold it down by your waist and have your phone way out, Way out away from you, yeah, and if you use actually either your bluetooth headset or or if you use the wa- the cable on your on your iPhone headset, you can actually use the volume controls to you know um, to take the picture, so you oh, can sit there cool. and, and push it out there and, and, and take pictures without you know and you, as again it 's the ultimate uh, um, the, the ultimate in uh,
1: yeah cool. narcissistic photography. Exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. From Which Alex of course is,
0: is very important to me, as 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 you may have guessed.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, guys. Let's let's power through. We got. I just want to touch on this third thing that we we're going to talk about. It's how to choose your best images. We had uh, one of our listeners, David Brewster from uh, Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, Australia. He wrote in and said, "How do you go about selecting your very best photos?" He says he's not talking about good or even very good shots, but the few photos that you feel define you as a photographer, photos that would end up on the coffee table book of your career. Valerie, you you are the consummate workshop photographer. You're traveling all the time. How do you go through your image and say, yeah, that one, that's it?
2: Well, I think you have to distance yourself a little bit um, before you can weed through your images. You can't mm-hmm. just write Distance yourself. How? Like go walk around oh, well, the block and come back. You know? No, no, no. Like in time. Yeah. Just, just go through them. You know, use the star system, whatever you use on in Lightroom, and then start weeding through. I, I do weed through my images pretty quickly. I don't keep everything. I, and I don't shoot a whole lot, but um, compared to a lot of people. But um, and then um, and then give it some time. Just Set it aside for a mm. while.
1: Let it marinate. And
2: and, uh, and then go back and see. Okay. This is this still what I think deserves five stars or not? Okay. And, so give uh, it give
1: it some time. So take your time. And I, I've heard that from a lot of photographers that they they will shoot like I think it's Trey Reckless was saying that he 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 tries to post one image or he does post one image a day, but those images he may have shot last year or the year before. They're just in a stuff I have to process pile, right? so i don 't know yeah there, there may be something new it because you come and, back with it, come back to it with different oh, eyes,
0: and your eye, yeah, your eye definitely grows, you know I mean it, it changes you know and, and that happens with any artwork. I know when I first went to Zimbabwe, you know I looked at every piece of stone artwork that was created as the, a masterpiece, and you know, after a couple of years of going there, you know you really looked at most of it as like uh you know it 's okay, you know it's and uh, and the same way I look at a lot of my photography that way. <laughs> you know, right, after, right after when I first started taking it, it was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I, you look back on it a couple of years later and you're like, okay, well, I learned how to light and I learned how to frame. And, you know, and, and so there's a lot of those. And, and there's still great photos back there. And I think that. Uh, one thing that I definitely try to do is is definitely use a star system to, um, in, in my case, aperture to 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 find you know to make, at least remember which ones they are. Now, uh, are you
1: are you binary with that? Because I know that you know you have the the five level of stars, right? And for me, right. I can't do that. In Lightroom, I just use flagged and reject it. That's well,
0: it. So I, for me, I do have, I do, I, I do do a couple of things. You know, if it, the big thing with me is if I don't put a star on it, it's most likely a mistake. Like that's how I look at it. Like I'm never going back to that. Mm-hmm. I am never going to see that again. Um, and so, uh, so if I don't put it, if I go through it and I don't put a star on it, that means that there's no chance that I ever want to see that it's done. Um, usually two is like, well, it's kind of weird. There's something weird about it that I like, you know, it's not, it's not technically good, but it's the. I don't know if I want to let go of that. I don't really do any ones, and there's too many, too many options there. Yeah. Um, three is something I might, I might use someday, but it's not, you know, something that I'm going to show everybody. Four, four and five are the two that are like I am going to probably have to send those all to my wife. You know, when I'm like up the kids or whatever. You know, it's like those, yeah. the fours and fives are what she gets to see. I'm not going to send her all the other ones, and then the fives are the ones that I consider like that. Those are the ones. You know, those are the ones see, that are you know that gorgeous. are going to be in there.
1: That's a lot of stuff to remember for me. <laughs> when, I'm very, when I'm going through it, no, I'm just way. like,
0: good, bad, bad, good, 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 bad, bad. Right, right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I have yeah, a, a like, much, well. You like, got to shades of, is,
1: of gray there, Alex. Well, but part <laughs> of it is,
0: is that is that I make books. So I make you know I make little books and uh, of of trips and stuff like that. And so three fours and fives are all ones that are like different ranges of good, and they all tell that story. The threes aren't very technically good. They're like they're not pretty, but they do tell us the story of when we were on Saint Martin and we were at this place. And I don't really like the right. photo completely, but it's still useful. Um, and so so and to to build the book, you need enough photos, and so threes are kind of the filler, and then the fours and the fives are the ones that you remember. Got, got it. it. Yeah,
1: yeah. See, I guess I'm I'm a binary guy. See, I, I people in my life tell me I need to introduce more shades of gray into the way I do things, because <laughs> my whole life is good rejected. <laughs> Dan, Dan what, are, Dan, what about you? How do you like when you're when you're like answer this guy's question? Like, wh- how do okay. you know what's good, what's bad, what's like? Well, I would say first, where's it going? You
3: know, if it's going to your website, you know, I think. A good way to do it is say people only have a short attention span. You know I heard somebody say like like a squirrel on Ritalin. you know you got you got to say what what is the <laughs> Wow I mean, yeah what is like if you can only choose ten images to show what would they be, and right. that 's going to help you really force your eye but then if you 're going for competition it 's a whole other thing too. Um, what you're going to sell to the high school senior's mom is completely different than what you're going to put in competition. And I got in a competition a couple of years ago, and frankly, I think the whole thing's rigged. But um, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> a you whole have another show, right? It's there. a whole other show right there. <laughs> yeah. And I think you have to kind of go with your gut. I remember in college and in, in photography classes, you know, you know, we always talk about what's aesthetically pleasing. So the images that I've actually gotten published in Range Finder and won some contests were the ones that I just felt something with that I really liked, mm-hmm. which is. Opposite of what Valerie's saying, you know, you got to separate yourself, which you do because you can really get attached to your images. I love this one. For me, I'm kind of like the more I look at it, the more I hate it. So, but the ones you just really kind of feel, you know, and those are the ones that, that work. And I think if you just stay true to that and, and your own vision, It's don't do it for somebody else. Don't say, you know, I think they'll like this. Although I am, I am convinced that with some of these competitions with professional photographers and WPPI, I'm actually going to do a little experiment. Now I'm saying it, everybody's going to know. I'm going to make the craziest, most ridiculous image because I see some of the stuff that wins and I'm just, I'm kind of baffled, you know, flowers that look like lady body parts and, you know, and they're too dark and they're not all the things they should be. But they get hundreds and eighty fives and nineties. So yeah. I'm just going to take a picture of my keyboard and throw dirt on it and just <laughs> give, it a, give it a unique name. And I watch it'll it'll get some merits. Throw a dirty diaper in there. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: yeah, but no, just just go with what you feel is, you know. Let's. Well, to you. I, before we move on from this, I want to I want to put a, a question on this out to all three of you guys. So, w- is it possible to use the wisdom of the crowd to help? you as a photographer determine what your vision should be depends Alex, on your ego <laughs> Alex let, let's start with you so can people well, use the crowd to go through and say okay you know tell me the, what i should be shooting
0: uh well i think that you're not going to i mean you're not going to really develop yourself as a true artist that way i mean you know you're not you know you you have everybody has their own vision in, in a way that they like to shoot or you should be finding that and and the way to find that is usually just taking lots and lots of photos is going to force you to find find that of course you're trying to also solve client issues and and so on and so forth but Finding that eye finding what what you think is great, I think is important the, the goal I mean what's going to make you a successful photographer is finding something that you think is great that people also like, mm-hmm. but if you're constantly chasing after what everyone else tells you right. i mean there's there's definitely some some basic stuff that you know make you know lighting it well expo- good ex- you know relatively good exposure, relatively good pieces like that those are things that are that are important um, the uh, uh, what is less uh, but I think that that's that's the issue you need to really find. Uh, your own vision not ask a lot of people now i think that you definitely should be open to criticism i think that putting that in a boilerplate i think that you know people can definitely point things out but you're you're, going to really have to find your own space at some point yeah so it's a no from alex what about you
1: dan what do you think can you can you use the crowd? Can you use Flickr, you know, and other social or, or Instagram, for example, to help you, you know, develop your vision?
3: Yeah, you absolutely can. You've you got to use it as inspiration. I mean, it's like American Idol, you know, you, you take that, but you've got to make it your own, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's really how any of us start anything, you know. After Effects projects, you look at some templates, you go, oh, that's a good idea, but you kind of branch off from there, and... And music pieces. Everybody's inspired. You know, I'm not into music, but they're inspired by other artists.
1: And the same should be for photographers. Yeah, love mm-hmm. it. Love it. Valerie, what about you? And well,
2: sometimes I know, I'm I know it's a no
1: on Instagram, but what about other? <laughs> others?
2: No, and I think style evolves. I mean, style yeah. is is a combination of technical expertise and life experiences. And you experience different things throughout your life, and your style will change. It will. And yes getting people's opinion on Flickr or Facebook. Sure, I mean the, part of what makes a a picture a good picture is the emotion, and people will react to something that's pleasing and that that create a, um creates a, causes an emotion. Right. So that's part of the critique process. When I do a critique, I I go through the technical quality first, then the composition, and last the emotional appeal of the image. So you know even people who don't know the technical aspect of photography they will react to an image through the emotion and and, and the composition will 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 help with that so um i don't think it's always necessary to get professional um
1: uh, or third, extended. or third, third, or any kind of third-party validation, and I, i I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, I agree with all three of you in different ways. I think. You uh, you you can develop your vision by shooting things that inspire you, and that's one of the things that we talked about that I talk about in this interview that's coming up. Um, but things that inspire you and get you excited, those are the things that you're going to be passionate about shooting, and you shoot more and more and more, put more and more mileage on your trigger finger, then you'll get better and better. But then introducing the crowd into that for feedback and validation can help guide you along the way, but not determine what that vision should be like. Because like for example, in the case of flickr you could, I often say on the show you could take a picture of your big toe by accident, put it up there, and people will say, "Wow, that is amazing! How did you do that?" <laughs> I, I, I see where you were going with that. You know?
0: Well, and, and I think that there is a, there is a real value in having someone someone else's eye tune what you're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it, you also have to look at what what you're trying to do. If, as, you know, again, I think there's a lot where you're, you should be developing your eye and, and building that out, your own voice. But I think there's also a, you know, especially when you're trying to make it a business, there is definitely a value in having someone who has a lot of experience mm-hmm. and, and, and really – they have a look that you like, and talking to them and being around them and seeing how they work, I think, is very valuable. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things I used to do when I was really getting, when I started to get into photography, or not start, but when I was really getting more serious about it, is I. there's a magazine called Archive. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, a, it's a basically archive of, of ads, you know, the oh, ad no, photography. It, well, it's, and, and it's thick, and, and it's, I don't even think they, there's not a lot online, or there wasn't a couple years ago. Um, but it's it's like ads from all over the world, and and they're just like what they consider the best ads. And I used to take archive and um, and a couple other magazines, and I would just cut out. I would literally just cut the whole magazine up and cut out all the photos that I liked. You know, so all the photo, the look that I liked out of each one. So I'm still developing my eye through 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 other people's work. Sure. But it was it was like me looking for what I what I like you know from professional photographers i really like what they did here i liked what they did there and i had this whole collage and what was amazing was that collage was very, very similar you know like all the you know like a lot of those photos all you know there were a lot of different photographers but i was able to and then i w- then what i would really do was go through that and start dissecting what about that image called to me so i'm not looking at it technically like oh i think that's great it was like wow i like that photo and i would cut those photos out and then I look at all of them, and I'd go, "Okay, so what is it? It's a short depth of field. It's the it's this." And so I dissect what about it called to me as a as a person. Mm-hmm. And then I just tried, and then I try to figure out how to re- recreate that. So then I would try to recreate the photos that I liked from those photos um, to to teach myself how to get the same look that I that I like to see in a way that I at that moment I couldn't produce, you know, by myself. If that makes
1: yeah. sense. Love it! All right, guys, let's move on to. um, Actually, I want to give a nod to our sponsor. And since we have Alex Lindsay on the show with those golden tones of voice, there, (laughs) um, you know, showing me up. Alex, you want to tell us who is
0: sponsoring this episode of Twit? Yeah, this, uh, this uh, episode of TWIT, of course, is um, brought to you by Carbonite. And, uh, you, know, carbon, you know, there is, you know, a need, especially as photographers. You really have to be thinking about uh, how you are going to back up. And having, having you know, something in the cloud, I always ha- you know, to me, it's not all back, you know, you don't have a backup of your most important photos until they're in two different locations and in the cloud those are the three places that they in my opinion have to be before you can uh before you can trust them yeah. and of course Con- carbonite is an o- a great online backup uh, solution so this carbonite of course backs up your files automatically and continually wherever you're connected to the internet um, so once you're set up in carbonite you don't have to remember you just li- leave your computer connected to it. it's unlimited backup space for your pc or mac for just $59 a year, you can access those backed-up files from any computer or your smartphone or your iPad uh, with the free Carbonite app. So it's really it's not only backing it up, it's making it available uh, to all of your different devices um, as you need. So if you have a small business, Carbonite also has plans to design to back up all of your computers, servers, external hard drives uh, for a low, uh, flat annual fee. So um, you can start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. Uh, with the offer code TWIP, that's T-W-I-P, and you'll get two months uh, bonus if you uh, decide to buy. That's Carbonite.com, and the offer code for two bonus months is TWIP, T-W-I-P. Love it, love it. All right, um, let's jump into this
1: interview. So we just did an interview, um, or I just did an interview, with photographer David H. Wells this afternoon, in fact. He was uh, he took some time out of his a gig that he was doing in Singapore to uh, go find some bandwidth in a local hotel, he sat down in a Google Plus hangout with me, and we talked about finding your vision, the how to sort of build a lattice work around photography projects, and of course, light. So let's give that a listen right now. This is, you know, this is what the internet is all about. Because I'm sitting here live through the internet with with David H. Wells. He's a photographer. He's a a photo educator, and man about the world, apparently, <laughs> because he he is in Singapore right now in a fancy-schmancy hotel lobby talking to us on a hangout, and we're going to talk photography. Yeah, How cool is that, David? <laughs> it,
4: it is pretty amazing, 13 time zones difference, but it still feels like you're right next door. It's, Isn't that amazing? It's
1: right. I mean, no yeah. time. I mean, even with – remember in the old days when you'd make an international call, there'd be like a 20-second delay between right. – <laughs> Now, none of that You know, we're just having a conversation Just like you were in the room with me I love this I love this So, uh, thank you for First of all, thank you for taking the time To uh, to chat with me today um, There's a bunch of stuff That I want to pick your brain on And I know that you've got some events coming up In the in the next couple of months That I want to dive into But before we do that Let's just Let's introduce you to the audience Like, who is David H. Wells And why have you gone into this crazy industry Called photography <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a photographer at the moment I'm in Singapore though I'm normally based in Rhode Island I actually grew up in Southern California yep. so I know California well looking forward to being back there later this year teaching at Brooks um, I got into photography because it was the perfect intersection between the compulsive part of my personality and the creative part of my personality and digital has only expanded that and so the problem solving part of photography is one of the many things I like and teaching the pho- the what I've learned is the other thing that I like and those are the things I'm probably best at. There's a lot of other things like I was telling some students last night I don't shoot fashion, I don't shoot food, I don't shoot sports, but the things that I do I like to think I do well and the people who pay me think I do it well cuz they pay me and that's the barometer of professional.
1: And what are those things that you shoot?
4: I really work on two kinds of things. Um I love getting up early in the morning, going out somewhere photographing and having little adventures where I'm exploring what I call light, shadow, night, and twilight, which is the theme of one of the classes I'm doing at Brooks. And then the other thing that I like to do is in-depth photo essays on different topics. And so right now I'm about halfway through a project photographing inside foreclosed houses oh, nice. after the people have, been, have left and before they've been cleaned up, and that's my more political project. That's my photo essay. So the two things that I love to do and love to teach are the photo essay, and how to use light, shadow, night, and twilight.
1: That's interesting. You know, and I when I when I talk to people about photography, we, we do photo walks from time to time, and that sort of thing. And one of the main questions is, especially when you're on a photo walk, and it's just a, random, a bunch of photographers, people that are passionate about photography, they get together. It's right. it's what do I shoot? You know, hey, we're at this cool location. We're at mm. the Golden Gate Bridge. What you know. What do I, how can I do something different? And what you just said struck a chord. And what I, what I typically tell people is to pick a theme and follow that theme and go along with it. What advice would you give those folks that are, you know, they love photography. They have day jobs, which aren't necessarily in the, the image-making industry. They go out on weekends, and they just want to shoot and release. How do, how do they, you know, they like a catch and release. Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How, how do they figure out what to shoot and start developing that sort of eye?
4: Well, one of the things and I've been teaching here in Singapore for about three weeks, a series of different classes, and I came to this realization this week that if I tell the students, and I would say this to the people that you're thinking of as well, Mm -hmm. to think one word in their head and try to stay on that word for a while, like a student was doing a project on the changing landscape in Singapore, the urban landscape. So I said, all right, all you want to look for is old and new. Old yep. and new, old and new, old and new. You don't want to photograph the food, you don't want to photograph the good looking women, you don't want to do anything. You want to stay on message. And so what I was telling her, and I would say to anybody, like you're talking about in uh, a simple shooting situations to pick out one or two ideas and stay on that, because it keeps you kind of photographing from here to here in a range and it makes sure you ignore all this stuff and so you don't get distracted.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so focus, right? That's the a- Yeah. It's like focusing the – using a magnifying glass to burn a leaf or something. You focus (laughs) on one thing, and you can do some damage. Otherwise, you're just going to warm things up. Warm things up, right.
4: Right, exactly. And then then, the other thing is the focus – the idea of focus, of course, being a double entendre in our line of work.
1: Right, of course. Right, Right. Right. So then on that topic, you know, so once once you – again talking to the beginning photographer say say they just started in the last couple of years and they're still trying to figure out what that look is they've heard that they have to develop their vision and their look and their style and all this how do you find that do you you find someone whose work that you identify with and then try to make it different or do you come you come up with something entirely new
4: Well, my undergraduate degree is actually in history of photography. And I mention that because I actually spent three and a half years in college looking at a lot of other people's old photos. And I still look at other people's work. And I look at work, and I encourage students to look at work so they can see how the photographer who preceded them solved what I call the photographer's problem, which is how do you get that thing that's in front of you onto the person, onto the chip, the film, the paper, the way you want. How do you actually do that? And if you look at enough work, you get kind of a mental hard drive of how people solve the problem of getting the thing in front of them onto the chip, the film, or the paper. And then the next step would be after you build up that hard drive is, of course, going out and photographing things that you care about. Because like people say, when you write, write what you write what you care about, write what you know, mm-hmm. photograph what you care about, photograph what you know. And then the last element, and this is a relatively recent uh, addition to this little process, is digital in the sense that look at the back of the camera, take some pictures, and actually look right there on location and say, no, 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 it's not about this. It's actually about that. Mm-hmm. And then pursue whatever that is and then keep looking. and The immediate feedback is such a useful thing for a photographer, including me, who's supposed to know what I'm doing, let yeah. alone somebody who's still developing their skills. It's such a great way to, to say the intuition that I had took me towards this, but what I actually meant was that. And so most students I work with don't shoot enough. I think they're holding over from that old school of save the film, let's not do too many pictures. Yeah. I, what, I don't break a sweat until I hit 100 pictures wow. vertical, horizontal, right, left, dog, uh, you know, higher, lower, a lot of depth of field, little depth of field, all these variations. And then each time as I look, I'm getting closer and closer. Then I, once I've kind of figured out what it really is, then I put all the energy into that thing that's distilled the idea down to what I want.
1: Love that. Love that. And then once, once you've got those, you know, all the, the you've got that CF card or that SD card full of images that, that you're going to post process, then what? Do you bring them into Lightroom? Do you bring them into Bridge, Photoshop? What, what's your post processing, sort of a high level of your post processing workflow?
4: Sure. A uh, high level of my po- post processing workflow is as follows I use a program called Media Pro. Mm. I'm sorry. Me- yeah, Media Pro. It's made by Capture One. Okay. And what Media Pro does so well is that when you take those hundreds, and I do mean hundreds of pictures, and you drop them into a catalog, it makes thumbnails that are up to about five by seven, and mm-hmm. it saves them. So when I go back to look at the catalog an hour or a week later, they instantly open to that full size. Because you know with Lightroom, the problem is when you're scrolling through 50 photos, it takes a quarter of a second to rebuild each one. A quarter a second times 200 pictures. I'm crazy. So... I use this, the Media Pro to make up a catalog where I'll go through those 200 and, and very quickly select the 10 or 15 that matter and dump the rest. I'm always trying to get everything in capture.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I do no post-process thing that I don't have to do. So I tend not to crop. I tend to get my exposure right. I tend to get my white balance in camera, so I do very little post. The post-processing that I use is through Lightroom because I very much like the the conversion engine, uh, the highlight recovery, all the controls that you have in Lightroom. But for me, it's a two-step process of deciding which ones in Media Pro, then making the final images in Lightroom.
1: Love that. Love that. Okay, so so let's let's continue that sort of theme about the, how you work. And I know, like you mentioned before, coming up in April, I'm looking at looking at this the schedule now. April 5th through 7th this year, 2013, you've got a workshop called Light Shadow Night Twilight, and then on mm-hmm. April 12th through the 14th, same this year, um, photo essays old and new. Let's talk about that first one. So light, shadow, night, and twilight. What's that going to be about? And what's, that, what's the deal?
4: Well, when I was in high school, I had my very first photography class actually in Southern California. And you know, your photo instructor gives you the light, the light assignment. That's the first one you get. I'm still mm-hmm. stuck on that one. I never got past that one. Um, <laughs> seriously, what it's about is that if you look at, at my work, I do a whole bunch with light, shadow, night, and twilight. And so it's taking... Uh, it's, I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's, taking, it's taking 41 years. Is that, a, yeah, is that possible? I think it is. I think it's 41 <laughs> years of taking pictures and looking at them and breaking them down, and especially with digital because I can look at the XIF and now I can look at the GPS coordinates and analyzing it and understanding the actual mechanics of how do you look at life. Where do you stand? If the light's here, where do you want to be to get the shadow? Do you want to see into the shadow? Do you not want to see in the shadow? So really breaking it down. Um, and then, of course, in my case, sharing it and teaching it so the people who are trying to learn how to use it don't have to spend 41 years to develop the expertise that took me 41 years to develop. Yeah. Um, and then it's about a lot about time of day in terms of when you photograph in the morning, when you photograph in the evening, especially when you photograph at night. Um, my favorite time of the is morning. My next favorite time is twilight and night. I'm a, not a big a fan of the afternoon light because it tends to be the most uh, filled with humidity, haze, and pollution, doubly so in place like Singapore because it, it's so hot here. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really about breaking those things down into small pieces that you can understand and then analyze and act upon. And then the second part of the class is, of course, making pictures and critiquing them and actually looking at them and talking about them together.
1: I love that. That's. The, I think that course... It should be one of the fundamental courses that all <laughs> photographers should take because because I, yeah, I preach this all the time on This Week in Photo. It's the understanding the basics let you do all kinds of magic things, you know, understanding light intrinsically. I have this thick book on light, you know, the properties of light, uh, down to the science of the photon that gets produced right. in fun <laughs> and coming all the way. You know, if you understand light and how it acts from a physics level, you know, right. and, and then, you know, start applying that to, okay – that means, shouldn't that mean I should be able to expose something a mile away with the same exposure with the light relative to the subject as something that's across the street, you know? So you start thinking of all this magic kind of things that you can do. And I think people gloss over that for for lusting after the next cool piece of gear or strobe or camera body or all that stuff, you know? So that light, shadow, night, and twilight, I think I may have to, uh, I may have to audit that class. I don't know.
4: <laughs> it would be good to have you. It's a great class, and you know this from your time at Brooks. The light in Santa Barbara really is magical.
1: Oh, it is. Oh. Yeah, I love it, it.
4: It makes a real difference because I'm really enjoying my time in Singapore, but, for example, it's overcast here, so it takes a different set of thinking to get the quality of light that I want here than in a place like Santa Barbara where you have beautiful clear light basically the majority of the year so that's one of the other great things about teaching in Santa Barbara
1: yeah I love that and then photo essays old and new which is coming up uh let me look at the date March or April 12th through 14th 2013 what is that that, so what's that about
4: that should be if I did this right one week after the uh light shadow night and twilight class yeah yep it is and the reason it's done that way is that in the best of all worlds to riff on what you just said about how every photographer should take the light, shadow, and night, and twilight class, they should then come a week later and take the photo essay class. Because okay. the, the idea behind a photo essay is a, is a photo essay is simply a bunch of photos that tell a story, but the idea behind an essay is from a specific person's point of view. Mm -hmm. it's not just to say here's a bunch of pictures of a dog it's a bunch of pictures of dogs that I love or dogs that I feel connected to or dogs that I'm afraid of it's got that point of view and the hardest part about the essay actually is not the photography the hardest part is actually just finding your point of view and so we spend a good chunk of the class uh, helping students think about the point of view that they have they have to write a project proposal because if you do a photo essay your long term goal is to put it out in front of people who are going to exhibit it possibly pay you, possibly publish it, maybe a grant or all of the above. So you, a project proposal enables you to get it out there and it forces you to define and narrow in what you're actually going to do during your your project. And then um, the other rest of the weekend is spent doing some practice shoots to develop the skills that you would need in the future, no matter where your photo essay physically is, there are certain skills that I need you to develop. So when you're out there doing the photo essay, you stay on message, you stick to the theme, you develop a project that has a point of view, and then of course, like in any class there's a big critiquing component where we critique the work that you've done you should shot over the weekend
1: love that okay so so talking is speaking in terms of delivery or product delivery so say you're 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 a photographer you're out on a on a job and you've you've got your point of view you you've Created this photo essay of you know, and this is outside of the workshop. This is later in life. You've created that photo essay. What's the best way to get that to the people that need to see it? Is it online? You build an online gallery. Do you create a book? Do you do a gallery showing? And is it you know what's what's the best way to do that?
4: Uh, There's a, a two part answer. The first part of the answer is who's your audience?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: I can't say that a commercial audience typically you're going to be working with a combination of a website where they can see it and increasingly things like portfolio reviews or photo competitions where they are going to look to see who's doing work so they can find new photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's more of a fine art audience, it's typically more of a gallery show. The second part of the answer, and this is a, a really a post-social media phenomenon, is all of the above. And I tell you that because my foreclosed project where I've been photographing inside foreclosed houses after the foreclosure and before they're cleaned up, which is when I see what I think of as kind of the ghosts of the people who used to be there. Yeah. I have been getting a good amount of editorial publication. It was recently on the ABC News, ABC News photo blog. Um, it's been published in magazines. It's been exhibited twice. It's going to be exhibited in April in Rhode Island, where I live. So... In that case, it's all of the above, and that way both I'm getting the work out to create a political dialogue about the topic, I'm trying to get it exhibited, and I'm trying to get it published. So it's, you know, this kind of emotion of you do one, it leads to the next, it leads to the next, it leads to the next. And mm-hmm. and I think what you're getting at is promoting this work is about a 10-hour-a-week job for me, Wow! constantly. I'm spending constant, almost every week I'm doing something about the promotion three months to two years out. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Uh,
1: see, now that, that should be a complete workshop in and <laughs> sort of itself, just sort of understanding the promotional aspects of the stuff. So creating is one thing, and once you're, you're, you've under, you understand the, the physics and the, the mm-hmm. composition and exposure, and you got the tools down with, you know, post-processing, and then you create this work of art, now what? You know right. so that that's that 's a huge piece of it that a lot of photographers take for granted like if it 's not the field of dreams, right if you build it, they will look at your work
4: it, it is not if you build it and you leave it in the dark, it stays in the dark yes. If you build it and you get it out there, it becomes uh self propagating or more than that i mean the, the foreclosed dream is a perfect example it 's everything that every step i 've taken has led to something more, which has expanded it further. And actually, I'm in the process of developing a workshop around it, not because it's such a brilliant project, though I think it is, but because of email and digital, I have an almost perfect record of every step that I've took along uh-huh. the way, from, from thinking of the idea to it evolving to the various steps that it was uh, promoted and how those one promotion step led to another promotion step. And I think that that's something that anybody who's got a, Project of any kind should be thinking about is how, how things lead, one thing leads to another, what's your process? When do you, for example, when do you demand money because the only thing that this end user is going to give you is money? Or when do you loosen up the money thing because this end user is going to give you something of value promotionally but may not pay you as well? Right. All those questions are really, really hard to sort out. And because of the email tr- paper path, paper track record, I actually can trace what happened with this particular project, which has never been quite so organized as any other. Uh, that's great.
1: Okay, so um, to to sort of close things off, where can people, first of all, go to see this particular project, the, the Foreclosed Homes project?
4: Um, it's on my website, which is davidhwells.com. Got to have the H in there. If you don't put the H in the middle, you get a guy in Tennessee. Okay. He's very nice, but he's not a photographer, so it's davidhwells.com. And then um, at the bottom of the nav bar, you'll see a a part called uh, a sub page called Documentary. You click on that, and then one of the sub pages for that is Foreclosed Dreams. Foreclosed Dreams. Foreclosed Dreams. On that sub page are both pictures and then links to all the different venues where the work has been disseminated. So people who are also interested in this question of thinking, how do you disseminate work? If you look at that, you'll also see, oh, he got it here, he got it there. And that helps you understand all the different ways your work can potentially be used. Love it. Love it.
1: Okay. Any other places where you'd like people to go to connect with you um, other than davidhwells.com?
4: The other website that I have is called The Wells Point, all one word, um, as in David Wells. And The Wells Point is a, a website, it's an educational website where I have podcasts. Blogs and a whole huge resource list on different parts of photography, such as competitions, grants, artist residencies, etc. And it's the result of, of about 20 odd years of teaching and finding that students, number one, have some of the same questions. So the resource list is a place where you can get those answers. And the podcasts and the blogs are small lessons on things that students ask over and over in classes. And I find that after a couple hours of class, people get kind of filled up to hear. Yeah. So yeah. I like to send them back to the Wells Point and say, if you download the podcast on Flash or you download the podcast on panning or the podcast on how to use a tabletop tripod, you can go over the lessons again on your own time uh, frame and on a smaller scale. And all the stuff at the Wells Point is free. It's just the lessons that I've encapsulated over the years of teaching and helping students to understand how to become better photographers.
1: Great. Brilliant. Okay. Then um, as far as signing up for the workshops and, and heading over there, where do they go?
4: It's workshops at, uh, I think it's workshops at, uh, workshops at brooks.edu.
1: Yep. No, Should... actually, yeah, I have it right here. It's uh, workshops.brooks.edu. Let me yeah. make, let's just and... make sure. Yes.
4: <laughs> workshops.
1: Uh, make sure we go to the right place. Yes, workshops.brooks.edu will take you right to the website. That'd be great. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let's, uh, yeah, definitely. um, And you think I'm kidding about coming down there. You know,
4: I'm (laughs) expecting you to be there. I'm expecting you to be there.
1: You know Um, how close it is to where I am. I can just drive down. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I know I'm expecting you to be there, and uh, that way we actually get to meet. We've met online, but actually that way we get to meet in person.
1: Yes, yeah, we can go out and have a a coffee or something. That would be great. Exactly. All right. all right, David. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and finding that cafe or that hotel. <laughs> You're in a hotel, the hotel lobby, hotel. to do this from. What What time is it there right now?
4: It is 7.29 in the morning. It's Thursday morning for me. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, so this yeah. is prime shooting time for you.
4: <laughs> uh, It's a little cloudy today, so we're, we're all right. It was very nice talking to you, by the way, Frederick. Thanks for uh, putting this, pulling this together.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. You have a good rest of your day.
4: Have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Okay, you can learn more about David by visiting his website at davidhwells.com. All right, guys, quickly, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Question number one is from Mark. Line and he says I'm a Lightroom 4 user and I'm finding the tools extremely useful, but I'm underwhelmed by the slideshow module. Join the club. Uh, do you have any suggestions of Mac software for producing a professional slideshow? Dan Ablin, I want to throw this one to you. What do you, you got? Think? It. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what. <laughs> what PhotoMagico. PhotoMagico. Magico. That Ooh, was it. Yeah. Me. Me.
3: But but PhotoMagico <laughs> was one. But I'm so lazy now. I'm so lazy, I use Animoto.
1: Oh, look at that. You are really lazy. Alex Lindsay. what would you put in there?
0: I have a crazy one that you probably haven't thought of for this process. Uh But I would like to remind you that Apple's Motion is $50. (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, That, that is yeah, true. And,
0: and so the the issue is is that if you're, I mean, obviously it's not as it's not going to be as automatic as you just throwing some stuff together and it, and it suddenly looking great. Uh, but you have a lot more control. And and um, you know Motion is a full blown you know graphics animation package and everything else. It used to be a lot of money, and Apple you know dropped the prices on all those things. And so you have a, a Mac platform. uh, And there's a lot of behaviors. So you can do a lot of things like the Ken Burns thing where you just go, and then I want it to fly in, and then I want it to zoom yeah. up. And so a lot of those things that you normally have, it's not like you have to animate all of those. Those are just little behaviors that you can throw onto your particles
3: that you can attach the images to.
0: You can do crazy yeah. things. So it's going to give you – it's not going to be more expensive than a lot of the other options, and it's going to give you an incredible amount of, of power uh, over that. It's not going to be as automatic. But So if you're really looking at moving past that, I can do it automatically into, a, into something that I really want to refine. I think that that's probably one of your best bets for the money.
1: I love that. You know, it, that's that's so weird. You never know how a twit's going to go because I, I would have expected Dan Ablin, the guy who teaches After Effects and 3D, to say something more powerful, and you go with Animoto. I mean, <laughs> <and> Alex, <laughs> hey man, time who has, Alex, who time has on. no time to do anything, saying, oh, yeah, go get motion. And, uh, here's the thing. Put, put your back thing. into and it. I'm, and I'm not, and I'm not,
3: putting down animoto the problem is i'm seeing non-photography people do it i'm seeing other people use it to market and so going with something with motion or photodex this is the other one i use uh pro show oh, okay. um, I, i've used that a lot because you, you want it to be unique and that's
1: that's why motion is really good and, and some yeah. of these others but got it valerie what about you do you do slideshows from time to time if um, so, what do you use
2: rarely but i use lightroom 4 and it's it's good for me
1: it's okay. So, it's enough.
2: Yeah, now, now, I want to try other things. It sounds really exciting. I'm telling <laughs> well, you,
1: I would throw PhotoMagical into the mix there. Derek's story okay. turned me onto that, and it's, uh, it's, it's like you know, if if there was a, a company with a bunch of smart people that said, you know what, all we're going to do is focus on slideshows. That's it. This
0: is what, and you it do. is a great application. That is a great application. So I, I definitely would say those are great. I think that it's, it's if you get to a point with some of these more automatic ones where. Uh, you feel like oh, I just wish I could have a little more tweaking control, or I just want to be, able, or I want to stand out. And uh, now, the, and the problem is, if you don't really put a little bit of effort into it, you will stand back. <laughs> yeah. so, huh. so you know, so you have to. Uh, so true. if you want to stand out, uh, but uh, you know, for fifty bucks, uh, Motion is one of the best uh, steals when it comes to that yeah. kind of stuff, even if you don't use it that much. Yeah,
1: and the thing that the thing with Animoto is there's a subscription that goes with it. So with Motion, right. you buy it, you're done. With Fotomagico, yeah, well, wanna... you buy it, you're done. I want a free one, so. <laughs> Can you spread your coupon wait, code out with wait, the rest okay. of the world? Wait, I want to tell you this,
3: though. But years ago, I used to make slideshows because, if as Alex will know, above anybody, motion control back in the 90s was really expensive to take an image and actually push yep. it in and out and digital beta. It's just It was a whole thing. So – me, Mr. Lightwave Animator, I would actually animate the photos, and people are just like, how do you do that? And I was actually making slideshows. So one of my books, I actually have this whole slideshow where you're flying through the images, oh, oh, cool. but it's all in 3D. And I'll do that once in a while, but to be perfectly honest, just to give you an idea of how we do it, I never make slideshows anymore, except when we're showing our, you know, somebody comes in for a family shoot or a high school senior, We'll go through Lightroom, process all the images, send the proofs over to the other room, to the projection room, and through ProSelect, which is how we actually show the images to the client. That will make a slideshow from those proofs, and we can set it to music and everything else. That's the only time we ever I ever do slideshows.
1: Now, Alex, so, Alex, on your side, you mentioned that you're an Aperture user. How come you don't? Aperture has an an awesome slideshow module in there. How come you don't use that?
0: It's good. You no, know, Aperture, Aperture is good. I I um I just I have to admit that when I want to do slideshows, I have a Tendency to use motion, <laughs> you know, like, now, yeah, I know every time everyone. I talk to you, I wanna, I, mean, I wanna go play with motion. motion. I, I've been using motion since version one, you know, and so it's it's a very comfortable uh, application for me to throw, especially when you understand the behaviors and understand how easy they are. You can just, just throw things around and have you fun. know having things customized and, and 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 once you get used to the fact that that it's not very hard to do and that it is um, and it looks great. Um, the, the, the hard part you get, to is you go back to anything that's automatic and you feel like you're being, your hands are being tied behind your back. Right. You know, like, like I, just, I just want that to last a little longer. I want to do these things and I can't do those. And so that's what I, that's what I like a lot about it. All right. All right. Question number
1: two um, is from Dave. And he says, All of your guests who are successful professional photographers seem to be constantly traveling the world. <clears throat> Valerie. He says, uh, Is it possible to be a successful photographer if you don't like to travel? And he says he knows his question is a little facetious. What do you think, Valerie?
2: Who doesn't like to travel? I don't Dave. know. Dave, hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dave. Uh, well, no, actually, I travel out of necessity, so I kind of made my photography business part of this. But I didn't start out as a travel photographer or I didn't start out teaching workshops in Europe. So if
1: there wasn't the necessity to travel, you'd be in Minnesota doing workshops all the time? Well,
2: probably not, but (laughs) I I had more of an incentive, let's put it this way. Um, But it all depends what kind of photography he wants to do. I mean, I started out with portraits, then moved on to interior and food photography, which is still what I do locally for commercial clients. So I don't need to travel. I just a uh, fifty mile radius is all I need. So yeah. if he wants to be a travel photographer, yes, he may have to get into traveling. Well yeah,
1: yeah. Anything I mean, else?
2: I don't they're... I don't think so.
1: Don Don Komarechka comes on the show from time to time, and he's a macro photographer. He would say, mm-hmm. I just need to go to my backyard, and that's, that's right. as far get as I need snow to some snowflakes. <laughs> exactly. Alex, what, what about you? I mean, is it possible to be a, a well-known professional photographer and not get on a plane?
0: Well, I, as you know, I don't believe in traveling at all. I prefer to stay in my house and uh, <laughs> shoot out of the out of my backyard. No, I, I I think that absolutely. I mean I think that one of the things that you just have to decide is what kind of photography you want to do. I think that a lot of a lot of photographers have a travel bug. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they you know they, they like to explore the world. They like to use their camera to explore the world. So I think why you see a lot of people traveling is because that's what they like to do. Yeah. Um, and so and I, I also think that there is an opportunity for a lot of photographers because um, especially when you get out of um, the uh, the Western world, you having the kind of gear that you have in the background you have is unique, and being able to grab those things and take pictures of them um, makes you unique um, and, and your willingness to go into areas that are uh, less you know where the, where the grass is less trodden and, and, mm-hmm. and possibly a little dangerous mm-hmm. um, you know, oftentimes makes you know, is one of the things that can distinguish you so I think that there, there are a couple different reasons that people will travel to do that, but I definitely think there are. Plenty of people um, that can, uh, you know, family photography, children photography, mm-hmm. uh, corporate photography. I think a lot of those things are um, things. And 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 once again, once you built your name, there's a there's a lot of things people are going to come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you having your own studio that if you're shooting great things, I think that you know you don't have to go anywhere. And so so I think that those are. Uh, you, I, I don't think it's a, it's a prerequisite. I think I think it's more of a. Um, there's a cross section of personality and photography that often occurs.
1: Yeah, and Dan, you're. What about you? I know you. Yeah. You've got roots in Chicago, so you've got a physical yeah. location to shoot in. Do you need to go right. anywhere?
3: No, you know I, I agree with Alex on that. It depends on the type of photography, um, but you know I don't think you should travel sometimes if you want to be that guy in your niche if you're doing family and seniors and so on. Mm-hmm. But what Dave are question person might be you know he might be seeing some of these people if he's trying to get professional uh in the professional world the reason they're traveling is because they're making money you know (laughs) going to the trade shows doing workshops you know i'm coming you know i think it's funny because i've been doing 3d workshops and all these things for all these years it's about getting paid and -hmm. the bottom line is that's a whole nother show photography is is not what it used to be um you know with clicking moms and the part-timers and the digital discs and it's it, it changes clients, and it's, it's not the same studio world it is. I mean, we're the only studio in our area. Everybody now is home-based. We're the only one that's not. And like, you know, are, so you, uh,
1: are you feeling the crunch? Are you thinking of, of pulling the plug? I'll talk, uh, I'll talk to you off air. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, movers, well, movers, I, movers, could you keep it down? I'm doing a hangout. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing fine. Our, our lease is up in
3: a few months, so we might be switching uh,
1: locations, but we'll see. Wow, that's amazing! I love it. I love yeah. It. All right. Well, cool. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the picks of the week real quick. I know you, there's some interesting things here. I'm looking at in the notes. Uh, Alex, I want to start with you since you haven't been on in a while. What's your pick of the week?
0: Well, I've got a new uh, purchase coming up, uh, so I I just I just, um, I, just <laughs> I was telling. Uh, so as many people know, I've been a Canon user for a long time, and. Uh, <laughs> And I'm 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 dipping my toe into the Nikon world again. Oh, so I'm getting a. I'm not diving in. I'm just dipping my toe. I'm getting a. I, I just ordered a. Actually, I'm picking up tomorrow morning. I'm picking up a Nikon 800E. That's, and um, that's and so, that's a dive, Alex. That's not a that's not a <laughs> okay. toe. That's a dive. One, man. It's more of a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me. It was like one of those things. Like I can get. Well, I could get the 600, and then I'd look. Well, but it's not this and this, and then I started. To add, I was like, but then I could get this, and I was like, no, it doesn't. And then I'm gonna get the 800, and then I was like, well, but it doesn't do this. And then next thing I know, I had an 800e. You so, yep. So I'm getting the 800e. I have to admit that because I do video, um, one of the big reasons that I'm that I'm taking a look at it right now is uh, that it does. It's a full aperture, but it also has a HDMI uncompressed out. Um, mm-hmm. So it's got you know, it, it, I'm a- able to get a full resolution out of the camera. One of my big complaints with Canon is is that they still are not putting out a pure signal out of the out of the camera. Now they say that's going to come in April, and we'll see how that goes. I'm a little, I, I've gotten a little uh, fed up with it. So anyway, so the uh, uh, waiting for them to sort that out. I'm, they were the first ones there. There's no excuse for them to be so far behind, and I've decided that uh, somehow Nikon went from not understanding this process to understanding it better than Canon in my opinion. And so um you know that, so I I'm going to give it a shot. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I'm really excited about kind of comparing it head to head with uh with uh, some of the other stuff that um uh that I'm doing. So I'll have a 5D uh, which is not the newest thing on, on the block but uh right. still still pretty useful and I playing with an icon and I'm really looking forward to looking at the low light stuff and and also how we hook, you know uh, how we connect it to uh webcams like this. I'm really I looking know. for a great webcam. That's cool. I so, think. so anyway, uh, only
1: Alex Lindsay would consider using a Nikon 800E <laughs> yes. as a webcam.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So here's the worst part: is is that is that I, you know, the, the camera that I'm using now. I mean, for those of you who are watching it, it is more expensive than the. What is it? You don't, you have to tell us what it is now. What is it? So we have a, we we do a lot of these. I mean, we do a lot of video um on the web and uh, so our job is to make everything look a little bit better. And so we use uh what I'm using right here is an FS 100. It's a Sony Sorry. uh video camera. And okay. so um we have a, a a little brood of these um that we use and those are kind of our standard package um mm-hmm. for bringing people in when when it's a you know Important person, um, and uh, I have one in the house just because that's what we is my office, and so we do a lot of testing here. And, and because so, you're an important person, come on, you can say it out. Well, no, it's mostly <laughs> that I have to meet with our clients, and I don't want you know I want they immediately go, wow, you look a lot better than you know, and, they, right, and we can right, bring yeah. this to you, you know, you know. So so it, yeah, it does yeah. it does have its own uh, possibilities, but but it is an expensive camera for what we do, and so we're always looking for something a little less expensive. And um and the uh, and we think the Nikon could be a good solution. And I have to admit, I'm really really interested. I I miss my Nikon. You know, I had a I, you know I was Nikon for a long time, mm-hmm. um, for years, a decade, and um, and so uh, so I'm interested in in returning uh, and seeing how it how it works out. So in the next time I'm on, which hopefully will be a lot sooner than the last time I was on, yeah, um, uh, we'll talk more about my experience with uh, Nikon and, and what I, I think. love it. Well, I got to tell you, welcome home, Alex. <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to the Nikon. Bowl. <laughs> you're gonna love it. It's a great camera. Yeah, you're we'll gonna love it. You're, go- you're
1: not gonna go back. Valerie, what is your pick of the week?
2: Oh, it's only 99 cents, and it's that dramatic black-and-white app for iPhone, and I started using it yesterday. It's really fun. I haven't even scratched the surface of what it can do, but you can go into uh, really dram- dramatic black-and-white looks. And, um, oh, cool. It's really cool. I posted a couple pictures on Google Plus and on Facebook that I did um, in France last week, and I... Use that app uh, after the fact, but you can actually shoot directly from the app also with the iphone but it's Jixi Pix software, so if you just um, go into the app store and put dramatic black and white you'll see it and it it got some awards and it's like five star it's uh
1: it's it looks amazing look at that
2: and wow. uh, yeah it looks 99 like the controls cents.
1: in it the controls in it. Um, if I'm looking at the right thing, yeah, um, it looks like the controls that are inside the lighting effects panel inside of Photoshop, Ooh. right? Where you remember you, Dan? You know yeah. this, right? Where you used yeah, to right. use, drop those yeah. crazy uh, that no one ever used. I don't think <laughs> I use it all the
0: time. Use lighting effects? Really? Yeah, you, yeah, no, I, I do. I use it. I, well, I have to admit that I, I use it a lot. There's a lot of cool things you can do with lighting effects. Well, just I, I yeah, think yeah, we need a tutorial. Kind on of lighting. fake yeah. vignettes and stuff. I, I work on that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. Very cool. That's a perfect. I'm going to buy that, Valerie. Thank you. Thank That's you for cool. showing that. All right. And uh, who's next? Uh, who could it Damn. be? Dan. Okay. <laughs> now, you guys all came from Darkroom, right? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you're bored? I came, from, I came from Lightroom, you know, technically at Adobe, but yeah. This is not
3: racial. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I said light, oh, Lightroom. Okay. <laughs> you remember when you used to get... <laughs> when you used to take a negative, right? And you go yes. one side down, then you flip your negative and you print the other side of your face. Yes. And then you print the right side twice.
1: Yep. Oh, well, yeah. There's an app that does that. It's really stupid. It's not oh, the best. Oh, that's way. scary cuz it shows you how how asymmetrical your face is. But you got to take half. The- <laughs> it's called Mirrorgram. Oh, wow. Mirrorgram. <laughs> huh? Mirrorgram. All right. We'll have to check that out. How, how much, much is, is it? it? That, I mean, that sounds great. great.
3: Yeah, it sounds fun. I don't th- I don't I think it's anything i can't find a price it's just
1: uh free yeah i'm looking at it yeah it looks yeah, mine was yes free just when when get download. the app yeah. look at just that. get the app yeah oh very cool all so right fun to play with cool well my pick of the week uh thanks guys my pick of the week is the camera sutra <laughs>
2: <laughs> so i like the name
1: <laughs> this comes from trey Radcliffe and our friends at stuck in customs and i'm wearing i'm wearing the t-shirt oh, that's right too now funny. If you guys can see it, if you not, if you can't see this, you have to look at the video.
0: Oh, it's but awesome.
1: It's got the different uh, camera sutra poses on it. Let me read some of them too. you. It's cool. <laughs> uh, the scissoring. It's got the grape crusher. <laughs> it's got crouching tiger hidden camera. The missionary. Uh, it, it goes carpet burn. It goes on and on. <laughs> so so trey trey started a new store uh over at stuck in customs and this is one of the products in it he sent me one of these because i was lusting after it uh but yeah definitely check it out and uh you know give trey some love over there that's awesome it's called the camera sutra gotta love it all right uh guys we're at the end of the show uh dan where can people go to find out more about you Well,
3: uh, you can go to about.me slash Dan Ablin, but also Ablin, A-B-L-A-N, gallery.com is our photography site. 3dgarage.com is our training site with a brand new Photoshop CS6 video. And um, you know, guy, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And get me on Twitter too, uh, Twitter slash Dan Ablin. Um, I just went to the (laughs) camerasutra.com. I can't, I can't be responsible for that. I put the okay, link... <laughs> just to give a warning. Oh, my God.
1: Hey, Sorry. I put the link to this in the show notes. You went there know. on your own, my know, friend. Does Trey know what that is? <laughs> Holy. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So, uh, Well, just... Yeah, but... but... All right, wait, wait. Um,
3: I've been doing a lot more social media experiments this year and mm-hmm. been doing some things on Twitter. I've actually, in the last few weeks, got my... My Twitter count up uh, over thirty percent. Wow! So I'm you're I'm
1: are you at thirty followers now? Really?
3: I'm just <laughs> under a thousand.
1: Yeah. You're at thirty thousand. No, I got three. I got you and my mom now
0: and myself. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> See, up. everybody's chasing Alex. Alex is I, wait. You're in the
0: millions now or something? Oh no 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 no! I, I, he's right I, after the Kardashians. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not, not that not that high. Yes. I don't think I, I think I'm behind you now, uh, Frederick. I don't think really I think that you passed me. I haven't. I slowed down. I haven't uh, been in public as public. I haven't been on MacBreak as much or more Twip or anything else. So. Wow.
3: There's wow. a lot of you on Twitter. There's a lot of Alex Lindsays.
1: Yeah, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. All right, guys. All right, uh, Valerie, where can people go to find out more about you?
2: Oh, um, my website, and then they can go anywhere, everywhere from there, Um Valeriejardinphotography.com. That's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N photography, all in one word. And uh, I'm mostly on Facebook on my Facebook page, but I'll be on Google Plus more. I promise. Perfect. All right.
0: And and Alex Lindsay, where are you at? Uh, You can find me. The best place to find me is probably G Plus. So if you search for uh, you know on G Plus, you can probably find me uh, um, the easiest. Um, and just look for my picture. Uh, anyway, so that that's probably that's where I post most of what I do. Uh, and then Twitter is probably the second one. Just just Alex Lindsay, all one word. Uh, and those are the two best places to find me.
1: Perfect. All right. And to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check out thisweekinphoto.com. Also, don't forget to join our growing community. Thank you for everyone who's joined us so far on Google+. Plus. Um, loving it there. We just started a new category huge. for our shows. It's growing. Look at that, right? It's huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, I do what I can.
0: You know? That's great.
1: Uh, <laughs> and, if, and if you're looking for me... Frederick Van Johnson. You can find me at my site at FrederickVan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off.